Welcome to Practically Christian. My name is Jake, and I'm here with Janelle. Hi, guys. And Luke. Hey. And two of our friends, Dave and Teresa. Hey. Hi there. We share conversations that help you know Jesus more deeply and follow him more faithfully. The truth is, no one has arrived at Christ's likeness. To grow in that direction, we believe you need authentic relationships and biblical theology applied to your everyday life. We hope that you are encouraged to grow and to live out the biblical truths that we discuss on this episode. Let's get practical and dive into a conversation about hospitality. So, this is uh, our first time doing an interview, and we wanted to do more of like an interview with people that we know and respect and that we're friends with. And we were making a short list of like who we were gonna in, like who we could interview, and Dave and Teresa both popped up separately on that short list and together. So we figured that for our first opening one, we would do them together since we talk about them more than anyone else on the podcast. <laughs> um, so for the most part, just so that there's less voices, um, I will be in the background, and I won't be talking just so that we have um, not so much confusion with voices. And I'll be back at the end. So Janelle and Luke are gonna take it away. So welcome, guys. We're so glad you're here to share a little bit with us and to teach us about this important topic. Um, so first, just kind of get to know you question. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are. And um, yeah, like if you were meeting someone at a party and they were like, tell me about yourself, what would you say? So obviously, you guys all know my name is Teresa. Um, I am a mom of six. They range in age from five up to 18, almost 19. Uh, I homeschool uh, five of our children, and I'm actively involved in my church and various ministries, and um, yeah, I think that's kind of me. <laughs> um, I'm married to Teresa, in case you didn't know that. Um, I also have six kids, so that you do the math, <laughs> works out. Um, I, work in, I, I work in technology and IT. I work primarily from my house, so I get to be around the family a lot, um, I grew up as a pastor's kid, um, so in a church, and um, somehow still found my way back to the church after some rebellious years, and um, happily married for all these 21 years. All right. So Jake mentioned that we talk about you guys on our podcast from time to time. Um, I remember I, I spoke about you, Teresa, for coming over and helping us when Duke got burned, um, and how you cleaned our house, and we came home, and it was like we have a clean house and a burned child and everyone was taken care of while we were gone at the ER and whatnot. Um, and then I just remember other times we've mentioned just sometimes not even by name. Like we just like subtly, we know someone who does this awesome thing. (laughs) Um, but one of the things that came to mind when we thought about who we could interview and what topics we'd like to cover was your family and specifically you as the leaders of your family on the topic of hospitality. So I would like to, first of all, have you define what you think hospitality means and maybe contrast it with what some flawed perceptions of what maybe a non-Christian version of hospitality or a flawed Christian version of hospitality would be. I think in my early years growing up, I would always think of hospitality as entertaining guests. You would invite somebody over and like the old sitcom where it'd be the funny thing where the boss is coming over and they'd be trying to prepare everything perfect and all the snafus. So it was my conception that hospitality was about entertaining guests. Um, and then over time, I think 
I began to become familiar with what I believe is the more biblical idea of hospitality, which is to open your life to somebody. Um, and that means not trying to put on airs or paint in certain ways, but just to um, be authentic, invite them in, and allow them to participate in the community that is your family. I think that for me that was a bit challenging, the idea that my house didn't have to be perfect and um, it was okay to just kind of let people join in the messiness of our lives sometimes. It took a little while and a little bit of encouragement from Dave for me to to shift from that entertaining to the just kind of openness thing, but it's it's been a great shift. It just, you know, it took a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear just a snapshot. Um, Dave, you said that you felt like the shift was to a view of opening your life and your home to other people. And so in an average week, what does that look like for you? Um, it, it's evolved over time, and I anticipate that it will look different five years from now than it does now. Um, much, some of it has to do with the age of our children. Some of it has to do with the community of church that we're involved in. It started with... Um, I don't know, years ago, before we were in the church we're in today, we were involved in a home church, and we would meet together and do church in our house. And the idea of Christians getting together, enjoying fellowship and food and church, that was started kind of started the beginning of that. And we always just try to make it uh, a pleasant place for people to be, but also a place where they could feel comfortable. And then when we started attending a Sunday morning service, where you obviously go somewhere else for church, um... I don't know, we just kind of started looking around for individuals um, who maybe needed some community and, and uh, or just seeing who God would lay on our hearts. So there's been people that um, don't have a family or maybe their family's all grown and do spend a lot of time alone that we've invited on a regular basis into our house. Um, as our kids have aged um, from grade school to teenagers, um, we've invited their friends over and, and I don't know, I should let you talk about this, Teresa, but we've, we've always, and this has always been a dream of Teresa, to have the house that's not the cool house necessarily, but the house where all the kids feel is like a second home to them, where they, hang, they feel comfortable hanging out. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, from very early in our marriage, even I don't even know when this kind of was on my heart, but I knew that I wanted to have a home and a place where my kids friends wanted to kind of be and again not because it was necessarily the super fun home and had the swimming pool or had all that kind of stuff but just that it was a good place to be and it felt safe and it felt good and so um I I'm blessed and I'm so glad that for the most part that has been the case and that we get to have a lot of teenagers in our home now and whether it's friends or girls in my small group that I work with or whatever it is, but having those people in our home. And like Dave said, some people we have had almost every week in our home for over six years, some people. So it's just kind of, they become family. They become my kids, aunts, uncles, big brothers, whatever it might be. And um, they get to build relationship with people in a very meaningful way. And we do obviously as well. Where do you think that desire came from for you, Teresa, that you wanted to be provide that kind of home? I think growing up, um, my family wasn't really able to do that due to some health issues that my mom had and things like that. But I got to kind of experience that in some other people's homes. 
um, especially in my 20s, I was exposed to a family that was just so hospitable and so welcoming and so encouraging. You walked in their home and you felt loved and valued and seen and heard and all that kind of thing. And I thought, wow, like, that's what I want to offer people too. And I didn't really know how to do that for a while very successfully. It took time to grow into that and I'm definitely not perfect at it. But I think, um, yeah, just having that experience and kind of wanting to be able to share that. You guys mentioned in your introductions a little bit about how much is going on in your lives. You've got full lives. You've got uh, some additional things that you didn't mention, like chickens and goats and <laughs> dogs and um, just a piece of property to care for. And and all those six kids have their own activities in school and stuff. Yeah, and then homeschooling is no joke. So um, how would you say that it became something that you could integrate with all of your other responsibilities? Or like, how did you, why was it a priority for you to take on this additional work of inviting people, providing a lot of times food for additional people and all the things when you, you guys have plenty of reasons that you could just say, hey, we're busy. This is not the time of life for this. We're going to wait till we're empty nesters and then we can be hospitable. (laughs) Or like, what was it that motivated it to be now? Well, I think some of the things we've already talked about obviously factored in there. Um, If I wanted my home to be open to my teenagers or to their friends, and I had to open it now, it couldn't wait for later to some extent. And face it, with six kids, I'm feeding a small army as it is. So adding in a few extra people didn't feel overwhelming to me when I go, oh, okay, there's 14 people that I'm going to feed today. And at short notice, that doesn't stress me out anymore. I'm like, okay, grab another pound of meat out, do whatever, it's okay. Um, So in a sense, we kind of just integrate. And I think the other thing is we don't put, when you move away from that idea, like Dave talked about, of entertainment to just kind of sharing your life with people, it's not that we change a whole lot. When someone comes over for dinner, we visit, we talk, we share we do dishes together, we might fold laundry together, we just do the things that have to be done and we kind of live life. So yes, we're intentional in sitting and and having community, but there is also a sense that you just join in the crazy and my kids still fight and there's still drama and that's okay. That is just kind of how it is and you have to, I guess we always tell people if you're okay with the loud and crazy, then welcome. I think part of it, too, is first principles. Like, lest somebody listening to this is, is thinking we're just the kind of personality of people that can do this, and there's only certain people that can do this. Um, for me, it goes back maybe to a, a definition of what I think Christian hospitality is, which is the idea that God has blessed us with children and a family. But there are times when I say, oh, God, are we, we're busy with all this. How can we serve? How can we actually minister to your church? And I felt like one of the answers he gave us years ago was, your family, um, I'm working in and I'm filling with my love, but that's not just so you guys could experience it. You wanted to open it. He wanted us to open it to others. So the first principle of saying, I mean, there are times when people come over and we're tired and it, it, can, be, it can be not as amazing as the last time or something along those lines. But ultimately, we want to we have a home where people can come experience family, community, and the presence of Jesus. And the only way you do that is if you open up your home in the first place, regardless of 
um, if you feel it's ready or if you feel like you're too busy. Um, and I would even say there are times when we, you know, oh gosh, are we too busy? Um, but then I would go back to first principles and say, maybe we're too busy with the wrong things and we have to rethink that. It sounds like you guys have regulars and then you have additional random people too. Right. Um, but how have you decided on a regular type person to like kind of include on a more weekly basis or even maybe less than weekly, but just more frequently? Is that a decision that just one of you makes? Is that something that just happens organically because that person shows interest or how does that process take place that you have regulars? If it's somebody that we want to kind of extend a more, I guess you'd say formal and regular invitation to like, hey, be a part of our family on a weekly basis for dinner and, you know, whatever that means in the evening, we will talk about it with each other before one of us extends that in that invite just to kind of make sure, hey, do you feel like we're at a place where that's okay like do we have the time and one of us wouldn't kind of step out into that if we're truly doing it on a hey being over here every Monday night kind of thing for the indefinite future without running it by each other Um, that being said there are plenty of times when it's not that long-term invitation but you know on any given Sunday after church I could have my family I'm feeding or I could have 15 people I'm feeding because Usually that's a lot of youth kids or other people just kind of coming along for the ride. And and that's not something we necessarily overthink and we just kind of roll with whatever's happening in that moment. But if it is something that's going to be a consistent thing, we would kind of have that private discussion and make sure we're both on board with it. Yeah, I think it's one of two things. It's It moves you away from entertainment to hospitality to say to people, we eat dinner around this time. If you want to join us, just text us or call us ahead and you can join us. Um, with the idea that someone might call at 3.30 and come over or not. The other, the other aspect of that is it moves you away from the idea of entertainment to, to present it to some people as, why don't you always come over on this night? Um, and then you know to expect them, they're always there, but it becomes a regular cadence like you're having dinner with just your family. And so both of those also help to make it seem more natural and less like we're desperately trying to get ready for a, you know, the boss coming over or some sort of entertainment that way. Um, so it's a mixture of all of those things. And they're, they're youth kids and there are other kids that we've said, You're, you can show up whenever you want. Um, there are people that crash on our couch. Um, there are people that show up for dinner um, without texting, and that's okay. It's just a part of the way we do it. Have you ever dealt with times when either one or both of you felt like overbooked or like taxed with all the people coming over or maybe you had something planned and you're like, ugh, I just don't feel like it. (laughs) And how do you handle that? And how does that work into your life and relationship? Yeah, I I think out of the two, I think I can tend to wear my heart on my sleeve. You know, there's been instances where um, Sundays are a long day for us. We We do church and then the afternoon, some people do hang out in the afternoon and then um, I watch um, Luke and Janelle's kids while they do youth pastorship, um, which is a lot of fun. It's not too bad. It's not too hard, too much hard work. Um, but then after that, after youth group, sometimes people come over after youth group. And by that time, 8 p.m. at night, I've still got to do barn chores. And so there's been some times that I felt pretty tired. But it goes back to the whole thing of hospitality versus entertainment. Sometimes you just go to bed. I mean, you know, you guys can stay here. You can hang out. My teens will, will hang out and stuff, but we, we have to get up at 6.30, so 
we're heading to bed, but you, our home is a welcome. It's still hopefully a welcoming place. A welcoming, quiet place. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I've talked with Luke about the fact that sometimes, um, you know, we go to bed and it gets a little noisy and whatnot. But um, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the price you pay to open up your home to others and make them feel welcome. If you put plastic covers on your couch and you're always shushing people, people will not feel like it's a place to be welcome. Yeah, I would definitely say that I would much rather go to bed and hear noise still happen in my house and um, just so you know, we're not leaving people unsupervised that are minors. But um, <laughs> but no, I'd rather go to bed and just kind of feel, you know know that people are where they need to be in that moment um, than to have the quiet and feel that kind of void or wish that that we were that we were providing a more open space than we were or something like that. So I, to me, I just feel like it's the the payoffs, even even in the frustrations, the payoffs are worth it. And, you know, for us, for our family, hopefully for the people that come into our home. So, so it sounds like there is just this mentality of sacrifice or inconvenience is going to be part of the picture. It's not something that should be totally unexpected or that's not tolerated. But have you ever come to a point where you question, like, have we overextended ourselves? Have you ever, like, needed to pull back um, and, like, kind of reached your limit in kind of a more big-picture way where you're like, this is too much and we need to cut it back? I think we've talked uh, a couple times about, like, some boundaries in certain scenarios. Um, If you're familiar with youth, the teenagers, they will talk till 3 in the morning loudly. and, And I think we've talked about the fact that we have to balance hospitality sometimes with boundaries that allow us to not reach the end of our ropes or become exhausted. Um, there is a sense which you want to open your home and extend, but you have to do so in a, in a relatively um, sustainable way. And so some boundaries around that can be helpful. Yeah, and I think there's also times if one or the other of us, you know, there's certain situations where there's a higher likelihood of people coming over. We've mentioned several times, you know, Sunday afternoons or things like that. And we have one or two regulars that really just are like family that, you know, does that doesn't add a feeling of a burden or anything. But if Dave or I are feeling really tired or just kind of worn out, we might have that conversation before church going, let's just make it just our family and, you know, the regulars today and not kind of in do a more open door policy this afternoon just because we need some downtime or we need some quiet or, or there are times, you know, we're say, okay, you know, we need to have a couple of days this week that are just nothing going on in the evening. So we do kind of set those things aside. We don't always feel giddy and excited. Sometimes we are tired, but it's, it's, again, kind of that thing of that's just life. And, again, they're just joining our life. They're okay with it. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not a show. It's what it is. Sometimes I have to go deal with things. Sometimes Dave does whatever. It's, it's, it's part of it. Sounds like that whole concept of inviting people into your life instead of entertaining them like really forms and informs a lot of how you guys do hospitality and open your home. Um, so I'm curious... You talked about like that being a biblical concept, but like, are there some stories that kind of gave the inspiration for that, or certain specific passages of scripture that like were like, wow, I never realized 
but here's what the early Christians did, or, or what was that for you guys? For me, I think just the, the I mean, it's, I can't give you, you know, that verse from Second Paul 3.1, <laughs> but it's the underlying um, behavior of the early church where they behaved as a family. And so when I look at the way we do church and the way we have church communities in the West today, much of it is about going somewhere on Sunday morning that's not a familial place. It's more like an auditorium where we sit and we listen to a sermon and we sing together. But there's lacking some familial type of elements. And so seeing the way that they, they got together and ate together and their life was, was constantly with each other, it made me think of the fact that nobody was entertaining at that point. They were just inviting each other into their homes um, so that they became a family in a deeper and deeper way. And so I said, How does it, what does that look like for us? And I began to implement it that way. So, so I think, though, that, you know, I am, for me, I enjoy cooking and I enjoy feeding people. And that's how I show love in some, in some ways. So for me, it's one of those things I feel like God has gifted me with and given me a strength and ability in. And so it's a way I can use that. And I think also, you know, as Christians, we have different seasons in our lives where we can minister in different ways. And I think when we kind of started this, we had a younger family. Now our family is growing in age and all that sort of thing. But when our kids were really young, you know, we it was much harder. I was nursing babies. I couldn't go and do youth ministry at that time. I couldn't, um, I couldn't be involved in the same ways. But having people into our home was something that we could do quite easily. So it felt like a natural way to kind of share our gifts and abilities and minister to people. And then over time, we have been able to do different ministries as our kids have gotten older but this has still just remained a priority and something that we've enjoyed doing so I think a lot of people would say if they're hesitant they might have the hesitation of you know I have six children and I don't want to take away from my time with them like this is a sacrifice that will be stealing from my children but I know that you guys have seen it as a blessing to your family um, so just kind of explore that a little bit. What have been the blessings to your family um, by choosing to live hospitably? You know, I think I even mentioned already that our kids do feel strong connections, especially with some of the people that come over on a regular basis. They view these people as part of our family. We've encouraged our kids not to have that narrow view that family is only the people that you're blood related to. Family is bigger than that, and community is bigger than that, and the church is bigger than that. So giving them other adults or other people in their lives has also opened up doors for mentorship. You know, some of these people have become amazing mentors to my boys and to my girls. And so being able to to kind of share in that way has been a huge thing. And I think for me, because I homeschool my kids and I do have a lot of interaction with them during the day, it didn't feel like I was stealing those precious couple of hours in the evening from my kids. So that maybe is a different feeling than somebody who, who um, has a different family lifestyle or family dynamic. So for me, I didn't necessarily struggle with that part because I did have a lot of daytime with them. I was their teacher and I'm their teacher. And so I get to have that interaction with them. But it did mean us having to be careful in what 
how we scheduled activities for our kids and that sort of thing. We couldn't be running two or three different places with two or three different kids every night of the week and still be able to do this. So we have had to be very specific and mindful of that sort of thing and what we do in our day-to-day life. So as far as commitments to sporting events right. and right. Yeah. I think when it comes to the kids, too, one of the things that I realized along this journey is that in many ways they're also ministers of the gospel. Um, we've invited folks into our life who maybe they don't have a family community. I don't want to call them lonely or they don't have anybody in their life, but there's been people on, in the path and the journey that have been like that. And have, seeing them come into our house, and to us, our house is a noisy, chaotic thing that we often try to escape from to get some peace and quiet every now and then. But to somebody who lives alone or somebody who doesn't have that, it's, a, it's almost like medicine to their soul. And so seeing our kids grab a person that grab the hand of a person that we've invited over and say, hey, read this book to me or whatever, and our first impulse is like, don't bother them. But we've grown to see that that's our kids ministering in their own way uh, to other people as a part of the body of Christ. And they're actually getting a chance to not be just receiving all the time. Like we have, I think in the West sometimes, as families, we, we construct it where the kids are the focus of everything and everything is about the kids versus the kids being a part of the family and being also able to give out and to, to be um, blessing others through what, who they are. I think sometimes they don't know that they're being a blessing even when they are. I think when my five-year-old climbs up on somebody's lap and, you know, wants them to tickle her back or read a book or whatever it is, you know, she's just doing it because that's what feels right to her in the moment. But for them, it's actually quite a a healing thing or a blessing thing to them in their lives and where they're at. Yeah, as as a quick quick real story, uh, we had somebody over who was kind of feeling down and having a rough go of things. And our five-year-old is a hugger. She just, she just knows how to hug. And, uh, and I said, Holly, why don't you give so-and-so a hug? They're not feeling too good. And she launched onto them and like, like face-to-face squeeze, and she even does the mmm kind of thing. And, you know, I, I, anyway, I just think that their individual gifts and the, who each of our kids are can be a blessing to folks, even though they never expected those sort of events, so... So on the dark side, have there been any difficult things for you and your family by this lifestyle choice? I think when you invite somebody in your family, just like you have with your family members, they don't always rub you the same way. So I don't want to give the impression that every time we interact with people in our home, it's all, it's all rainbows and unicorns. Um, sometimes people have their personality quirks. Sometimes they can be difficult in certain ways. Um, we view it as an opportunity for us to help however we can, to learn our own patience with them, um, to learn how to love somebody that's different than we'd like them to be in certain ways. Um, we've also learned um, patient in watching, patience in watching somebody change. Sometimes you feel like you've given advice and you give it again and you, you want to see their growth and sometimes I'm willing, I wanted to see that sooner than God's doing his work and stuff like that. So um, the dark side is more or less, I think, what, what you see all over the New Testament um, in the admonitions that were to forgive and to love and to accept regardless of how, how closely our personalities mesh with said person. 
Yeah, dark side seems extreme, but um, <laughs> there, I, I think it. You know, like Dave said, there are times when frustrations come, just like with our family members. When you have somebody in your home on a regular basis, and you build connections with them, which is what we want to do, and what we hope to have with our close friends, um, and all those sorts of things. There are times when you need to be honest and you need to, you have to have hard conversations and it's, it's not, yeah, unicorns and rainbows, but I think it's valuable and it's worthwhile and it's, it's still good and meaningful. So when you say like hard conversation, do you mean like being like, Hey, sorry, you can't come over anymore. If you continue behaving, I just, no, no, I think it's more, um, Sharing things that you know the person doesn't necessarily want to hear but needs to hear. Um, and, you know, I think we, when we're in community with people, we ask them for advice. We ask them for opinions. Um, we don't always like what we get. Um, but I think when you have relationship and you have community, there is a respect and an understanding that comes. And I think it's that thing of going, I love you and I care about you and I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear necessarily but I am going to share with you what I feel you need to hear or what God's doing I, and in the same way they do the same for us and I want people to be able to do that for me I want to be a person who who receives that as well so it's not necessarily you can't come over or you're behaving badly we don't you know we've not had those types of experiences but I think it's more just that um, that idea that as you like when we live with our family, sometimes they have quirks and sometimes there's things that get called out. And sometimes it's because someone's asking for the feedback or just because they need it. Most like the things that love requires. Like love requires me to speak the truth in the situation. Right. You're going to do it in a kind way, but it can still be hard. Right. So, Teresa, you mentioned that you had initially, when you started this lifestyle, it was a little bit hard for you to let go of some of that entertaining mentality as far as your house has to be looking good and we can't do work while you're around. Um, are there any other things I didn't mention that were part of that? And how did you grow away from that into a more natural life state hospitality? Um, definitely Dave encouraged me along the way. I think his constant kind of reminders that it didn't have to, you know, be perfect one of the things I implemented several years ago that I wish I had done from the moment my children were born, um, but it took me many, many, many years. And it was, I think, sorry, if I remember correctly, I think it was my sister who I got the idea from, but I implemented just a cleanup time in our house. And it was a seemingly small thing. It didn't take that long, usually 15 minutes to 30 minutes, but at around three or four o'clock every day, Everyone helped. All the kids had a zone or an area, and the house was picked up and cleaned up, and I would take areas. And um, what that did is it made it so that the house never felt like it was hours away from being ready for people to walk in the door. That, um, well, it was certainly not perfect times, and, you know, there were days and 10 minutes later, you're like, what happened? We just cleaned. But it did kind of give me peace of mind knowing that my house was in a decent state and the knowledge that it only takes me five minutes to make sure that the hall bathroom that guests would use 
looks decent. So that's a quick thing to kind of keep up on on a daily basis. And so I kind of got in the practice of just having things not perfect, but at least okay. That if someone came in, I might not feel super excited about the state of my house, but I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't be in the back of my mind distracted by the anxiousness of it being messy or something like that. And then there were a couple of friends of mine that would come in my home and just start, as we were talking, they would just start doing my dishes. And at first I was like, that's weird. (laughs) And then I was like, no, that's not weird. I remember my mom and her friends actually doing that too. And that was kind of cool. And I realized that this is just how it can be. We can just help each other out. I'm not, we don't have to be so concerned with impressing one another as much as just enjoying one another. Um, But I think getting my kids involved and kind of just growing in, I guess, a maturity and a letting go of my pride that was attached to maybe what my house looked like was a big part of it for me. And I think I also struggled for a while with my worth was dependent upon everything being the way I imagined it should be. So when I realized that people could come into my home, it may not be perfect and they wouldn't look down on me. That was freeing. We've realized two ends of that of the spectrum. When we say opening up our home as it is to people, for some who are, say, clean freaks, that means letting go of a super tight clean house and just allowing it to be more natural. The other end of that spectrum, though, we realize is some people who are the opposite of clean freaks. They live in chaotic, messy homes. There is a sense where a certain level of cleanliness will actually feel more welcoming than filth and whatever, you know, chaos and stuff. So we've talked about the fact that there's a balance there. It's not like we've thrown all cleaning out of the, uh, you know, people come and they're stepping on kids' toys and there's spilled milk all over thing. There is a honoring of somebody that says, I'm going to pick up a bit so you can feel at rest in a, in a peaceful and a clean enough home. Um, conversely, though, um, you know, some will struggle with, I want this home to be spotless and I'm, I'm panicked that there's one mark over there in the corner rather than making a home that's, that's good enough to welcome people into. How have you seen the effect of your hospitality on your church community? So what has been the benefit or the growth to the church, not just to your family, but to the church community from this, this way of living? This is a tough one. Um, definite improvement in our youth pastors. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that it has encouraged other people to have a willingness to be open and, and, you know, have a house that is hospitable and and an attitude of that as well. I hope that it has encouraged and blessed the people from the church that have been in our home, whether it's just a one-time thing or a regular thing. Um, And I hope as they walk away from that, they in turn kind of pass that on and and have a similar thing as they grow up. I I look at my own kids and I hope that they will share some of those things as well. So I guess I would also hope that for the people that come in our home. And I I see that some of those people are probably more naturally inclined that way and some may struggle more with that. But um, yeah, I guess I just hope that because a lot of the people that we do have in our home you know, being in a small community with a smaller church body, um, you know, that is where a lot of the people that come into our home are from our church that, you know, 
it is kind of a blessing in that way too. I don't know. There are people who come over to our house that I know have chaotic or messy home situations, and That's I don't true. mean the floor is dirty. Um, that I hope that, I mean, we're not a perfect marriage by any means, but we'd like to think that God has blessed our house with a good marriage and a loving house. And so our hope is that those folks who don't have that at home can come and experience it. And I think I see evidence of them, Yeah. I don't know, almost letting their hair down or relaxing when they're over at our house. Um, and, then, and then also, I, I agree, the, the handing down of the example um, the idea that Jesus trained 12, but he was going after exponentials because then they would train 12 and so forth. Our hope is that when people have experienced our home is open, that all the people that are part of that, that someday if they have a family, say they're a youth kid, or maybe they get married or whatever it is, they also, they find value in that and they engage in that so that it, it, um, it spreads out exponentially. Yeah, that's kind of a fun connection back to what Teresa said, is that when she was in her 20s, there was a family that just stood out to her as a hospitable home and that's kind of kind of birthed that vision in you Teresa of that's what I want for myself so you never know who's gonna take this as a seed of hope for their future life or um, even in their present circumstances to extend that hospitality to others so if someone is listening to this podcast and they're on the fence um, because they have lots of hesitations maybe about whether or not they can let go of the perfectionism or whether or not they can embrace people coming into their mess or whether or not it's worth the cost, whatever that means to them, um, what would be your encouragement or what would you say to someone who has those hesitations? I think I would say start small. It's, it's not something that, it's not a competition, it's not a requirement to be X number of times that you open your home necessarily, but I would say start intentionally, but start small. So if you're the kind of person who really never has people in your home, commit to once a month. If you're the kind of person that could go with twice a month, do that. If once a week feels like something you could do, but start with something. And then be intentional and aware of your surroundings. Notice people. Notice the family or the individual who doesn't have anyone else in town that they go and hang out with. Um, Notice that kid who might have a really difficult home life, who may just really want that safe place for a few hours to hang out. Um, But be be aware, be intentional, and have a plan. And I think even if you start with once a month, and then you do that for a couple of months, and then you go, okay, now let's do this twice a month. And now let's see what that feels like. Now let's see if there's somebody that we could invite on a weekly basis. And include your whole family in the conversation. If you have children, include them and talk about why we're doing this and why is this a, a beautiful and honoring thing for us and for the people that we're ministering to. And I think kind of having that sense of, as a family, then it doesn't feel like people are invading your space. It feels like they're joining it. When you're busy raising a family, if you've ever felt this way and you think, well, I'd like to do ministry, but I'm too busy wiping kids' bottoms and you know all the things that happen in a family, and I don't feel like I have any real source or real ability to minister, then your family, whether it's an apartment or a home or wherever, is, can be that ministry. If it's uh, if you are if the family itself is struggling, 
um, then obviously you've got you've to put some things in order there. But if it's a relatively stable home, you, are, you have an asset that many people um, are literally um, dying to be a part of um, and, are, and, are, and are slowly dying inside without it. Um, so keep that in mind. If you're struggling with, should I do this? Think about those that could benefit from it and, and what seems important as far as a, keeping a home clean or you know, limiting my own activities to allow this sometimes pales in comparison. Um, the other thing I would say is you may not have a home. You may be a single person. You may not, you may be saying, well, I don't know how I'd do this. I'd be the person that, would, that should be invited. Be, I should be the one to be invited over. I don't have that home or whatnot. Um, I think each of us can still look around for somebody near us and open up and um, open up ourselves in a way, whether to take them out to coffee or to be involved in somebody's life outside of our own as far as the church or just to see somebody who could use a little bit of friendship more than we, than we could use our own privacy is a good way to start, too. Well, and just kind of as a story to the fact that we can even be here tonight and recording this is, you know, we have a woman who's become like family to us and she really is family and she's been coming over on a almost weekly basis for I think over six years now and you know tonight is the night that we usually do dinner with her and I'm like you know we have something else going on do you still want to come hang with the kids and she's like yeah and so she's over at my house having pizza with my kids and hanging out with them and so that you know yeah I have older kids at home I still we still could have made it work but there's just that sense that it's not just because Dave and I are at home. It's our kids now at home hanging out, and she's a part of that. And, and so it, it really, when you get to experience this over time, you really get that beauty of long-term family and relationship. It's a beautiful picture. It reminds me of, like, on a theological level, because I'm a nerd and I have to go there. But, <laughs> like, the, the category of, like, the, the concept of the Trinity and God is Trinity and Father, Son, and Spirit and, you know, a lot of people wonder, like, was God just, like, bored or lonely? Is that why he created it? It's the total opposite of that is God is overflowing in love with himself to the point of, like, I want to share this amazing goodness with others and create creatures that are capable of sharing this. And so I think there's something really close to the heart of God of saying, even though it's not perfect, we have something good here and we want to share that with others. I think that's a beautiful thing that you guys do. So if someone bought in and they say, yes, hospitality is something that I'm called to and I need to grow, um, they want to start, how could they begin and what would be the first steps, like practical steps, since this is practically Christian? <laughs> you know, kind of as I mentioned before, I think the first step is, is having a plan and having a conversation with your spouse if you're married, with your children if you have a family and saying, what, what does it feel like we could start with? And again, like if that's just once a month, that's fine. Um, but kind of having a plan. And then I said, you know, like I said, being intentional. And, and I think God very quickly and clearly will bring to mind or bring into your life the people that he needs you to invite in. So part of it is just that awareness. And if you don't know, then you can even ask your pastor, ask someone else in your church, do you know of anybody that, is lonely. Do you know of anybody that might just that doesn't have a lot of family that might need community and going from there? So I think it's just a matter of making a decision and then 
following through with that decision. I think when you start thinking in those terms of being hospitable and you look around you at your church or in your neighborhood, I don't think you have to look very hard to find candidates or people that could use your house. Um, It seemed to us that it's harder for us to maybe, or we have to be more intentional and sometimes say no, not that somebody's coming over, but there's there's a a lot of people that we could, but it would overwhelm us. So the point is, you're not going to hunt very far. There's a lot of people who need community, especially in the West here. We we've we've broken away from community in certain ways, and I think we're dying internally because of it. So keep your eye out for the person sitting at church by themselves. Not that they're sobbing in the corner. That's ridiculous. But they're always they come to church on their own. They know they live their own life. You can just say hey, we'd love to have you over if you ever like to come over once or twice. Or, hey, if you ever want to drop by, here's our number, text us. And with the time we have dinner, just open up, start small, start looking for people that are all over the place. And I would also say be proactive in that. So it's good to kind of have that open invitation, but it's also really important to follow through with that invitation again. And to sometimes the first few times make it a pretty formal invitation to the point where they get comfortable just sending that text and wanting to come over. Sometimes you have to be like, hey, are you going to come over after church today? We're really hoping you're coming for lunch or, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, being pretty um, explicit with your invitation and making it an open invitation but also a specific invitation. Um, But like Dave said, I think, you know, you look down your street and you probably have a widow. You have um, a young married couple that you might be able to minister to. You have a single mom who is trying to figure out how to do this on her own with kids, whatever it is. We have these people in our lives. We just have to open our eyes to see them. And that's a good point. Um, You're going to see introverted people and you're going to see extroverted people. So we've had both. Extroverted people, you go to inter, you go to you invite them, and you drive home, and they're already there. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of encouragement, but there are folks where you invite them, and there's always that awkwardness of our Western culture, and they're like, I don't know, that's a lot to come over. Um, but may, just say it, say it several times, and make it a formal thing. So it's almost like, okay, I guess I got to go through with this. An introverted person can become comfortable in a home as well, um, but be aware if somebody is highly introverted. You may want to make sure that they're invited um, on their own night um, so they have to face your family, but not all the other people to you know, kind of understand and be a, a student of who they are. And I, I think one of the favorite things that I've ever heard Dave say about this was he was like, yeah, the Bible calls us to um, share our resources, and I have the resource of a large family, and I have it in abundance. And so I'm going to share that resource. My quiver is full. <laughs> That was my mom's favorite verse, by the way. <laughs> Luke's one of eight kids. Yeah. He's got your family beats. That's He does. He does. <laughs> yeah, so this has been a great conversation, and it's one of those ones that's been kind of weird to listen to uh, because uh, some of the things that we talked about were about uh, me because Dave and Teresa like uh, allowed me into their home, oh gosh, five years or more now ago. Um, and... I think Dave and Teresa like swear that I went over their house beforehand, but the first time I remember it was Dave was like, you're a college student and your family lives somewhere else. You want to come to my family's Easter, like at my (laughs) sister's house? And I just remember that and like how awkward it was. (laughs) But you came. But I came and yeah. And I just remember like we were about to walk in and Teresa's like, Dave, don't get in a debate. 
with your uh, with your brother-in-law. And Dave's like, I won't start a debate. And he walks in and his brother-in-law goes, so Dave, I disagree with you about this. And the rest of the time was just this <laughs> argument. But uh, Sorry, I, just, I think it's hilarious. Um, but one, one thing I just like, I think, in the application of this is what is your first step to hospitality? And what is your step first step to sharing the resource that is you with other people, whether that be inviting people into your home or whether it be making a space for someone, you know, at a coffee shop or any of those things. How do you take that first step? If you're married, discuss it with your spouse, uh, with your children, if you have, you know, a big family or um, just like think about that and pray about it with uh, uh, to God or with a friend um, and think about that and then plan to take an action step on that. And that is it. So I'm going to close this in prayer and stuff. Uh, Lord, thank you for this uh, time. Thank you for the amazing people that Dave and Teresa are and the friends that they are to um, all of us and uh, other people in the church. Uh, Lord, we thank you for their willingness to open up their family and their lives to others. And uh, it's an inspiration in a lot of ways. So um, we hope that uh, and we pray that their story and their ideas have been inspired the people who are listening to this podcast as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.